There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, God. It's implying that Erica was complicit. They used the word Ponzi scheme. It's almost as if we've not known her at all. I'm not sure I want to be around Erica during this time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's excellent Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I love how Dorit delivered that line. It's almost like we don't even know her at all. I felt like she wrote that out, and she delivered it perfectly. Give her an Emmy. Honestly, uh, you guys, we're going to talk about this week's Beverly Hills. Also touch on briefly this week's Real Houses in New York, which was a big hot mess. <laughs> big hot mess. Uh, before we get into any of that, though, I do want to mention that this week was Whitney Houston's birthday. And I love Whitney Houston dearly. I've been thinking about her quite a bit. And actually, I was trying to think of like what my favorite Whitney song is. And there are so many classics. Of course, it's hard to sort of narrow down. I think I landed on I Want to Dance with Somebody. I mean, that song, if you hear it out at a club or at a wedding or any place, it's impossible not to just dance and feel happy and feel good. So it's fantastic. And I even like a lot of her later stuff, too. She, uh, Her most uh, recent album, she had a song called For the Lovers. Now, it was called For the Lovers. It was like a kind of an upbeat song. And there was a lyric in there that I wanted to play for you guys, because my friend Beth and I, we used to always say this to each other. It was like became sort of almost a life motto for us. And I thought I'd pass it along here on this Everything Iconic podcast. So in the song, she says to leave the stress at home and tell the drama no. Leave the stress at home. Tell the drama no. I thought it was good words to live by, so I wanted to share that along to you all. Uh, make sure in your own life you tell the drama no, unless you're turning on The Real Housewives, and then you say, yes, drama, come on into my life, because I want to watch you. Um, you guys, let's talk uh, about this week's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We ended last week with Erica and the Shitter. Now, she was driving behind those closed doors, so we just heard a lot of that... <sighs> They really got a lot of mileage out of that. Did you notice that? They played it last week, and then again this week. I swear it was like 10 minutes of just... (sighs) I mean, they really overused that. I mean, I don't even know if she was behind that wall for that long, or if the editors were just like, let's put it on a loop. It's good. They were like, we got the audio of her dry heaving. Let's put it on a loop for at least five minutes. And so we were subject to quite a bit of that. I mean, I thought we would be done with it last week, and then this week it's like, lights up. No, I know. We've all been in a... I mean, at least I can speak for myself. I've been in a panic attack situation before. That's what it reminded me of. And I felt bad because it's no fun when you can't catch your breath and you're just... Your mind is swirling and racing and that's a horrible place to be. And I believe that's where she was. Either that or it was a dog behind that bathroom door panting. I said last week maybe it was the Yokiero Taco Bell dog, which, by the way, you guys... Let me tell you a secret. Never get something wrong on a podcast because you'll hear about it for weeks because everyone's been in my DMs telling me it was Del Taco that they were eating last week in uh, on the episode, not Taco Bell. I apologize, you guys. Let me tell you something. I'm watching these episodes on a small computer screen. And there's like a big thing across. When, you, when you're watching the screener version, there's like a big thing across the middle of it. So, you know, I do my best trying to see what uh, I can see, but sometimes, you know, it's it's hard to catch up, and I'm taking notes. I got a hundred things going on. So, my apologies. If ever I get something wrong, you know what? Let's just move on. You don't got to send me messages all week. I get it. I'm sorry, though. I also understand when you're listening to a podcast, the host gets something wrong, you get pissed. You're shouting at your, uh, at your phone, at your radio, at whatever, so I get it. But you know what? We all need to just uh, move on. Tell the drama no. Tell the drama no. I'm going to be so annoying with that clip, you guys, now that it's on here. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, so it was Del Taco, which sort of upset me a little bit that they were eating Del Taco and not Taco Bell because I preferred Taco Bell. Um, anyway, so the women are all, they're still eating the Taco Bell while Erica's dry heaving. And did you notice that Kath was just cleaning up the Del Taco? I felt like Kath sort of like moseyed on out of the room. Like she didn't want to talk about the Erica Jane stuff. She was cleaning. And Kath was cleaning up the Del Taco. And then later in the episode, I felt like she didn't really want to talk about it. Last week, she was so confused. She was like, I, uh, you know, don't uh, even know what this phone call is about. And then this week, there was one little moment where she said, like, I don't really even know Erica. Like, she's like, I don't even know her. And it was like, well, Kathy, you've been filming with her for six weeks now. <laughs> but that's smart of Kathy. See, Kathy's one step ahead of all the women. Always. One beat ahead. Because now all the women this week are really starting to figure it all out. That LA Times article came out. Everyone's starting to question Ms. Bamboozle Jane. And Kath is always uh, a couple steps ahead. She's like, I don't even know this person. She doesn't even know who she's filming with. I said last week, she don't know Dorit. She thinks Dorit's a PA on the show. And now she's saying, I don't know Erica. She's uh, sticking herself out of the mess. And that's smart because I'm worried about some of these other women. You know, it seems like Rinna's really going uh, hard in defense of Bamboozle Jane. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but who knows? We'll see. TBD. Uh, but Sutton, she's telling the drama now. She's already turning on Erica Jane. Kyle in the confessional again this week, turning on Erica Jane. Uh, but Erica, she uh, came out of that bathroom. I don't know why I keep wanting to say she moseyed on out. She moseyed on out of that bathroom. Is that a word, moseyed on out? I think it is. Anyway, she's like, this is hard. Hard. My life is hard. Hard time in my life. This is a hard time in my life. And then, <laughs> this is a hard... <laughs> This is a hard time in my life. <laughs> that was basically the opening scene. Anyway, she's crying and she, no one knows how to react. They're all just sort of staring. All doing a lot of hat work too as they're staring at the Lakinta, uh, Kyle's Lakinta house. Just doing, everyone's got a different hat. One's got a bucket hat on. Rinna, you know, the whole time in Lakinta, she's wearing a bucket hat. I'm like, where'd all these fucking bucket hats come from? Like she, uh, took a time travel, uh, hopped in a DeLorean and went to the nineties to grab some bucket hats off the set of Dawson's Creek. Suddenly she's wearing them all at La Quinta. I mean, it's shocking to me. Garcelle, she's the one who's really taken the brunt of Erica. Now she, I don't believe did anything wrong. We learned that Erica did tell Crystal that she didn't want to talk about this him calling thing, but Garcelle wasn't around. And I do believe that one of the producers told Garcelle, Hey, bring this up. And that's smart. That's what they should be doing. So bravo to the Bravo producers. Uh, but Erica's not happy about it. And allegedly, did you guys see Lisa Rinna had posted something on her Instagram stories? She posted not just her dancing while Harry Hamlin's doing some gardening. She also posted this screenshot or screen grab with some text on it that said uh, there was some big fight with producers that they'd edited out. And I was hopeful this week maybe they'd do a flashback or something. And they didn't. But I want to know what happened. We better see that at the reunion. You hear me, Bravo producers? I won't forget about this. I, I'm writing this down in my day planner so that when the reunion time comes, and Erica Jane said on Twitter that she's going to be at the reunion. So when the time comes, I'm writing this in my planner. I'm going to set an alert on my phone. I'm going to remember that we want to see the footage that Lisa Renna alleged happened at the Lakinta Kyle house regarding the producers. Because last season, remember, they had the producers in the frames, and we got to see the producer come in and yell at Denise. Remember that one? Pro- I'll never forget that moment. They were all at dinner, and that producer came out like, come on, Denise! Like he was losing it. Denise! Like he was so... <laughs> that, producer, that producer did not tell the drama no. Tell the drama no. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Okay, so then, uh, yeah, so Garcelle, she wants to leave. Kath comes up to Garcelle, and she's like, don't leave. Like, just stay here. And um, Garcelle, she's pissed at Rinna for not having her back. And then Rinna turns on Garcelle. I couldn't believe my eyes and ears, you guys. When Rinna, Rinna confronted Garcelle, and was like, why'd you have to have your moment? And I was thinking, really, Rinna? You of all people have no room to talk. Because for countless seasons now, we've seen Rinna confront everybody, from Kim Richards about the husband, let's talk about the husband. Where people doing coke in your bathroom to read, you know, like Rinna's the queen of it, is saying something at an inappropriate time, and I've always loved her for it. I think that's an important part of a housewife. But now she's turning on Garcelle for doing it. Uh uh-uh. uh, no, ma'am, I won't accept it. I will not allow it, and I will not accept it. You hear me? It's not happening. I will not accept it. It's not coming into my brain as an accepting thing. No, 
Mm-mm, Rena, turn around. <laughs> Not acceptable. Uh, but look, uh, Erica snapped. Everyone has a breaking point. If I learned anything from the snapped on oxygen poster, it's that everyone has a breaking point. And Erica does. She snapped. She does eventually make up with Garcelle. And she's going to leave. Erica's about to leave. And Dorit asks her if she wants a bag of snacks. Do you catch that? Dorit's like, do you want us to pack you a bag of snacks? And Erica's like, no, I'm fine. Like, <laughs> She's like, I'm dealing with enough. Like, I don't want to think about like animal crackers that you're going to put in a bag for me. But Dorit, I mean, I was very hospitable of her. And let me tell you also probably another uh, reason why Kathy thinks that Dorit's a PA, because she's sending the cast off with treats. You know, I feel like that's what a PA would do on set, make sure the cast is happy. And that's what Dorit was doing. Maybe Dorit doesn't even know she's in the cast this season. She's not really adding anything. Maybe she thinks she's part of the crew. What if that's the case and they just sort of like upgraded her, you know? Like, you know how Sutton, Sutton allegedly this season was filming as a friend of, and then they upgraded her to full-time cast member. Well, what if Dorit was filming as a PA, and then they upgraded her, because she's sending off the cast with snacks. Um, anyway, Rena says to Erica, we know you're going to open up on your own time, so why push it? And I was like, what? Are you serious, Rena? The whole job is to push it. Why? She? I guess they're friends in real life, so you do ride hard for your real-life friends, and I get that. Uh, but it just feels so out of place coming from Rena. Like, what are you saying, Rena? Like, we've never heard you not cross the line with questions. So strange. Uh, Garcelle does uh, reveal, though, she feels like there's an inner circle. And I do think she's right, because all of the women chase Erica outside. When she's going to get in the car, it's Kyle, uh, Rena, Dorit. They all go outside. And they leave the newbies at uh, inside the La Quinta Kyle house. So they're all sitting around and Garcelle's like, look, I feel like I've, there's never been a time where I fit in with these women who they call themselves, I believe, the Fox Force 5 on Instagram and stuff like that. So I feel like Garcelle is feeling left out and she's sitting with Sutton and Sutton's starting to question it all. You know, Sutton's not having it. She's too smart for this. She's too smart for it. Uh, but I don't know. Rena said it's not her job to ask the questions. And I thought, like, that is actually your job. I don't know. Kathy, meanwhile, though, like Erica leaves and Kathy's just reading a Ruth Chris menu. Did you catch that? They were like, they were like, what are we going to do for dinner? And Kathy was in the corner. Like she wasn't even, uh, she wasn't playing along with any of this Erica Jane stuff at all. She was like, I'm going to look at the Ruth Chris menu. She just comes in as soon as the women finally said, like, what are we going to do for dinner? Kath was nowhere to be seen when they were talking about bamboozled Jane and her court issues. And then suddenly, what are we going to do for dinner? And Kath comes in a frame with a menu and just starts reading a menu item. She's like, they got lobster mac and cheese. They got steaks. They got a cob salad. They got a brownie sundae. They got steamed spinach. They got grilled chicken. They got a rotisserie chicken. They got chicken picard. They, I mean, like she just went down the list of that menu. She memorized the menu. And honestly, that's what I would have been too. I love her. I love her. Then uh, they all, we cut to dinner. Sutton shows up and Kathy says right away that uh, the necklace looks a little daytime. They're doing uh, dinner at the house. They ordered the takeout. Now, last week I told you they didn't seem to understand the takeout. Remember, they were all like, this is in bags. You know, they were all so amazed by the takeout bags last week at Erica's place in La Quinta. And now it's like they're addicted to takeout. They got the Ruth Chris takeout. And it arrived in, I believe, bags. And I swear, the rest of the season now, these women are going to be eating out of bags because they think it's the most earth-shattering thing in the world after last week. And so we're already seeing that play out. They got the Ruth Chris, and they're addicted to takeout. I mean, last week, too, they got the Del Taco in bags. They are obsessed with the brown paper, paper bag food. And I am going to be clocking it every time we see it on this show now because I can tell how much they love it. Uh, Sutton, though, her outfit uh, looked good. I actually like Sutton's outfit. I, I really did. You know, we've been critical of Sutton's fashion choices. She does a lot of designer and not necessarily designer that I like. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish somebody would pop on screen and do an ambush makeover on Sutton. But this week, I thought she looked really great in that sort of like button up. It was really like rich. Rena even pointed out, she's like, oh, I forget you're really rich. She had that vintage Cartier bracelet on. I thought she looked fantastic. It like looked like Sutton, and also I liked it a lot. Like I thought it looked good. Again, what the fuck do I know? So don't listen to me. I mean, I have no nowhere to talk. And Crystal showed up in pants. She loves a pant. 
Crystal loves a pant. She does so much pant work on this show. The leather pants, the glitter pants, and then she should have begun in pants. And she should. She should wear pants because she looks phenomenal. So they all sit down for dinner. Kyle says, Erica won't trust Garcelle. And I thought, like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> who cares? Good for Garcelle. And Rena says, is there anything you can own in your your whole thing? And this is when Garcelle points out sort of the hypocrisy regarding the Denise stuff that we have talked about on the show, the Denise treatment. And again, I know these are completely different scenarios, right? Erica Jane's going through a much different thing than whether or not Denise munched on Brandy's box, excuse my language. But uh, I think that there are similarities in terms of like the way the women are going about it. And maybe a lot of that is an answer to last season because they were critiqued quite a bit for how hard they went at Denise over something so uh, so inconsequential in my eyes as whether or not there was a thing going down with Brandy Glanville. So, you know, I, I think it's – I understand why the women are acting differently this season regarding Erica, but I also understand that there's some hypocrisy going on, and I was glad that Garcelle uh, – you know, mentioned it, and I wish that she would go in it a little bit more. What the fuck was Dorit wearing, though? I think the women talked about it, like, we're at a house party. Girls' night at a house party. I mean, they were all dressed a little ridiculous for the fact that they weren't going anywhere and getting a brown takeout bag for lunch or for dinner, but I um, didn't understand what Dorit was wearing. And they were all cold, and I was, like, yelling through the screen, like, Dorit, you're wearing a mess shirt. Like, put on a sweater. It's Christmas. Kath even said, though, she's like, did we forget to pay the heating bill? You know, Kath, <laughs> Kath can be an asshole sometimes in her delivery, and that's what I love. You know, she does it. She wants the heat on. Like, what's going on? And I would be the same way. Like, if I'm in a production, because in my mind, it's like, if I might not want to put on the heat in my own home because I'd be worried about the bill. But if we're filming at my house, I'd be like, Bravo's paying that heating bill. So we're going to put it on whatever temperature we need. I mean, Kyle had it on 76, which we all, I think we already said was nuts. But if it's cold, I'm putting the heat on. If it's warm, I'm putting the air conditioning on when we're filming. All those bright lights everywhere. Uh, I don't think you guys realize they have to turn on lights and bring in lights and stuff. We don't always see it on TV because they work around it. But I do think they have to have all the lights on. They can't just have mood lighting. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would have a party. She would put on mood lighting. And by that, I would mean she would like put a napkin over the lamp. And so it would be like real dim. You know, we didn't have always the dimmers growing up. So we'd have to get creative with the dimmers. She'd be like, Dan, Dan, put one of your shirts over the light. You know, we'd have to just get creative. And, uh, you know, so they, they don't have to do that though. The Bravo people can pay the heating bill or the electric bill. So I understood what Kath was saying. Um, there was one point where Kath made noises too. Did you hear that? She just went, I think. They thought that she was maybe sneezing or something. She's like, Rrr! <laughs> it was just, what was that sound? Did you guys catch that? They were all sitting around. I think it was before the dinner. Just all of a sudden, it was, Rrr! that was it. It sounded like a demon. And then I was watching Cloverfield for a second because it was just like, what's that alien noise? You know, maybe uh, Kath is an alien. Honestly, I wouldn't be dis- surprised because she's otherworldly in a lot of ways. Um, anyway, what else is going on? Oh, so they're all sitting around the table and they say, hey, let's play a game. And then they show some montage of games not going well. Um, but all of them really good TV. That one at uh, Eileen's house when they did the poker party and it was like Brandy and Kim Richards. And then I don't know, there was like pizza being thrown and stuff. It was a good one. It was a good one. So Kathy then tells a story about Michael Jackson. And we get into a really interesting race conversation, which I think that... Uh, was both really important. Garcelle had to explain race to Kath. And Kath was sort of losing me. It was a wonderful conversation for everyone to hear. And uh, Garcelle said in her confessional, broke my heart. She was talking about how her sons, she has to worry when they go on the road and when they're driving. And she said, the world doesn't seem to value, uh, doesn't see the value of a black man. And that broke my heart, you guys. It broke my heart. And then, oh, do you catch the Dorit part? By the way, this is the part in my notes. I just have to tell you guys, you know, I say I take the notes on my computer and I got to watch it on one computer and then take them on another thing. But I had to move to my phone because the computer keys, I have an old laptop and the computer keys were all coming off the keyboard. It's like real, real trashy. Like on my keyboard, I don't have an I and E and R, like they all fall off now. So I was trying to take notes and it finally got to the point I couldn't type anymore. So I had to move to my cell phone. So I was taking notes on my phone. And the phone does the autocorrect. 
And so a lot of it, a lot of my notes don't even end up making any sense because it just says like Doris. And I'm like, who the fuck is Doris? And it's Dorit or it changes it to Dorito a couple of times. Um, but Dorito or Doris, she talks about how her kids uh, come into contact with people of color at the house. And Garcelle says, are the brown people at your house only the help? And there was a beat and Dorit was like, well, no, my mother's best friend is black. And you guys, Garcelle just clocked Dorit. After dinner, I loved how Kyle wanted everyone to rinse the plates, though. And Dorit was like, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> I can't do it, Dorit. But she didn't want to have to clean the dish. Kyle is like, just if everyone rinses one fucking dish. And I'd feel that way with uh, you know about Kyle. I'm, I'm on that team of like, just take one second. If everyone did their dish, it would be no big deal. And Dorit's not interested. She's like, we got to hire someone. Uh, she said, we should get help. And I was like, Dorit, you need to cool it. You know, Dorit needs to cool it. Needs to cool Oh, did you guys see the Harry Hamlin acrylic nail thing? What the fuck? You guys, we got to talk about that for at least 20 minutes. Okay, now, so it was revealed that Harry Hamlin, he is a guitar player. And apparently he does one hand of acrylic nails. Now, when... Rinna had talked about this. I was sort of expecting the visual or the picture of what we would see to just be like one nail. I was thinking, I, I, you know, and I don't really know how a guitar works, right? Like I took piano lessons as a kid. One time in college, I did ask for a guitar and uh, for Christmas and I got like a really cheap one and then I never ended up playing it. I think I took one lesson and that was about it. But I I don't exactly know, but I thought like in place of a pick, couldn't you just use your thumb or, or thumb and index? It seemed like Harry got the full beat on the nails, like the full hand. I saw a lot of French tips. They look beautiful, by the way. No shade. Um, I just didn't believe that it was just for the guitar. Does that make sense? Like I felt like there was some other thing going on, but again, look beautiful. His, I mean, his nail beds look great. Honestly, we should all give it up to Harry Hamlin and any, any man should do whatever they want. If a man wants to get French tips, they should do that. You know, toxic masculinity in this whole country, it's like men should be able to dress how they want. Men should wear makeup if they want. Do whatever you want. No judgment here. I just didn't under, I didn't quite understand the explanation of the guitar. Let's take a quick break here and we'll come back with more. I want to thank Acast for all episodes of Everything Iconic. Go to acast.com slash everything iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important, uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Everything Iconic. Um, okay, so then the next day, this is when all that news comes out. Kyle's reading it. And uh, Crystal even says, oh, someone sent me the article. And I was like, yeah, the producer sent you the article. Because <laughs> you know that's what happens. The, I mean, I don't know if you guys understand that. But the producers wake up. They they scour the internet for the articles. And then they text it to the women and they say, oh, we're going to film you reacting to this. That's how I imagine it happened. Now, I'm not on set, but I do believe that's exactly what happens. Like Producers are saying, oh, we want you to react to this LA Times article that's really... Uh, going in on Bamboozle Jane saying that uh, Tommy Two Tones had $20 million in loans going to EJ Inc. or her, her company, whatever. And her name is on the company, EJ. It's like EJ Inc. or EJ LLC or whatever. And $20 million's being funneled into that. And then Sutton comes in and she says, yeah, they're using the term Ponzi uh, scheme. And then they talk about the Madoffs. And they ask, Rena's like, well, did Ruth Madoff go to... Now, I watched the Ruth Madoff movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. Obviously, I will follow Michelle Pfeiffer to the ends of the earth, so I did watch that film. And no, Ruth didn't go to jail, um, unless I'm remembering that wrong. But no, I don't think Ruth suffered. But, I mean, she suffered. I don't think she went to jail, I should say. Anyway, it's very different, I think, than the Madoff stuff. You know, there's uh, a lot of victims in this case, and we're learning more. I wish Erica didn't leave, but she must have, the women even said they must have given her a heads up that this article was coming out, uh, which would explain Erica Jane's dry heaving and outburst. <sighs> you know, but they're reading uh, this article and Dorit's like, the orphans. And then Sutton says, these are crimes that have victims. It's not just they stole money or something. It's like they stole money f- from people who are victims of this. And then, Kyle, that's when she says in her confessional about the house, she said, uh, well, I know where my houses are. She said something shady about that. But meanwhile, Rinna's still sticking up for Erica. Even in the confessional, I haven't seen Rinna say one shady thing, which is A, a good friend, but also B, doesn't align with the Rinna that we've known. Because Rinna that we've known will turn on anyone at the drop of a hat, you know? Maybe not Eileen. I don't think she ever quite turned on Eileen. But I wouldn't have... Even when Eileen was on the show and her and Rena were good friends, I never thought that Rena wouldn't turn on Eileen. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't get the impression that she wouldn't. But with Erica Jane, I'm like, I don't think she's going to turn on her at all. And and again, good friend. That's a good friend. But Sutton is the only one who I felt like finally is speaking truth. She says, well, if her name is on the LLC, she is responsible. And a lot of people say, like okay, well, Erica Jane doesn't know anything about the money, and that happens in high-profile relationships and really wealthy couples. The man doesn't tell her. And this is where I think it's a little bit different than just like a, a married couple who somebody puts a contract in front of you or something. I I do think some of the responsibility falls on you if the money is being funneled into something that's your name. Uh, what do I know? But, I, you know, and I I, I don't believe that should be a thing. Like, I do think that you're married for a bunch of years. Yes, there's going to be times somebody s- slips a piece of paper in front of you and you sign it. Now, is that right? No, that this should be a cautionary tale for all of us that we don't just sign anything, right? That's a cautionary tale. We've all done it in the past, and hopefully now we're watching this program and we're learning from it. But also, it's like 20, you're, you're not going to ask how you got $20 million in your account, like where this money came from. You're not going to question it. And then, and then when you do question it and the guy says, Oh, don't worry about it. You're not going to take it further because I think you need to take it further. You do bear some responsibility. Sutton says, if the devil puts money in your LLC, you're responsible. And then the editors, you guys, they're so shady. They put on a montage of Erica Jane talking about all her money, you know, getting on the private jets. They show her showing off her diamonds and everything. And, you know, I, Bamboozle Jane couldn't have been happy about that. You know, she I'm sure she's pissed at the Bravo team because they're not they're not editing her as if she's super innocent. Now, anyone watching this show, I think at this point now we're all looking at it and being like, wow, like they're making it seem 
I think at the beginning, maybe they kind of wanted to see if we would be on our side and they, they wanted to slowly trickle the information out. And now by this point, I'm thinking, yeah, they're showing us that she's definitely guilty. We did have moments in the beginning, like in that trailer, I think we talked about where she, they were, the editors were telling us she's guilty. And now even more so, they showed us that montage of her showing off the wares. Uh, and this is when Kath is like, I don't even know her. And then Dorit's like, well, did you catch this? When they're talking about how long they've known Dorit, or how long they've known Bamboozle Jane, Dorit says, I've only known her six or five years. You've all known her six. And I felt like, I felt like that was Dorit uh, telling the drama no. Tell the drama no. And I feel like she, I feel, <laughs> I feel like that was Dorit's version of like kind of stepping out of the situation, being like, well, you guys all knew her a year more than me. She, she's getting the fuck out of there, you know. So she, they don't have to. So if anything happens, they call these women to court. Dorit could be like, "Well, I've only known her five. They all knew her six. That was smart. That was smart." But Kyle's turning. All the women go back to Beverly Hills. We see Dorit on the phone with Boy George, and they're talking about Boy George. Says, "I've been reading about Erica." And here's a question I have: Dorit wasn't miked. Now, I believe, I have theories about this. So we saw the phone call. Dorit was on the FaceTime with Boy George and PK. PK! So they were on the phone together, FaceTime. And you couldn't hear Dorit's audio very well. It was very echoey. So she was not mic'd. But there was video, and the video seemed to have a couple different angles. Like, there was one zoom-in shot. There was one. The the video didn't seem like it was self-produced. Right. Or it didn't seem like Dorit was using her own phone video. Does that make sense? But she was not mic'd. So I believe that a phone call was happening with Boy George and Dorit's like, we got to get him on the season. You know, Dorit was like, I don't have a storyline this season. We need to get some Boy George footage. And Boy George is probably not calling every fucking second. He doesn't want to be on camera every second. But she probably texted with him. And she's like, well, would you mind if I put this phone call on camera? And he's like, oh, whatever. You know, Boy George is probably like, oh, whatever. So then uh, Dorit probably was like furiously texting her producers, the camera people, the editor, anyone she get a hold of, bravo, like Andy. She was probably texting anyone she get a hold of, like, send a camera crew. I need him now. Like, boy, George is about to call on FaceTime. I need a camera crew. And I bet you it was last minute. So like one one person on production was able to get there in time. And so they weren't able to mic her. They didn't have time to get the mic up, but they did get the footage. Um, so that's my theory on that phone call, because it was weird to me that it was not mic'd. That doesn't happen on this show. Um, so then apparently all the women want to meet. Sutton wants to meet everyone without Erica. And so they do decide to go to, I think they go to Dorit's house. I got to say, I love Kyle's house a lot. I think we've talked about this, but I think her house is stunning. Like of all the houses on the show, I would want to live in Kyle's house. I mean, not, I do worry because it got, remember it got robbed. You know, that would make me feel a little bit unsafe. But other than that, I would love to live at Kyle's house because I think it's got a great backyard. It looks very father of the bridey. It just, uh, it's a cute setup. And Dorit's house isn't bad. I mean, Dorit's house is obviously beautiful too. But every time I see Dorit's house, I just think of those farmhouses in the valley where the Vanderpump kids live. I mean, it looks, their backyards look the same, but it's beautiful. I mean, that's no shade. It just looks like that house. So anyway, all the women meet at Dorit's house. Uh, Dorit sends the kids away. She's like, I'll play with you later. You know, she sends them out of the, She's like, go upstairs, get the fuck out of here. You know, that's basically what she says. And then um, Dorit's gingerbread houses, though, you guys, all the Christmas of this whole season is just, this season's giving it to me. I mean, all around, I'm just, I'm giddy over it. We're getting great drama. There's Christmas in every fucking scene, like I'm watching a Hallmark movie. It's like a mix of all my favorite things. Great drama on the show mixed with uh, Christmas decor. And I just feel like I couldn't be happier when I saw those uh, gingerbread houses. And when they brought the panettone, remember Dorit's like, this is panettone, Italian panettone. <laughs> Dorit, whatever happened to the, did I, why haven't I gone to that Buca de Beppo yet? Is that still open? I mean, I know Buca de Beppo's open, but like, do they still have the Dorit room? Can you make a reservation? Has COVID shut that down? I need answers because I need to go to the Buca de Beppo room. Honestly, she designed it. It was her whole plot line last season, her design in a Buca de Beppo room. <laughs> Just so so stupid. Uh, And then remember, wasn't that dinner, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, let's take a trip back uh, in our heads. 
Last season, wasn't there a group thing at the Buca de Beppo? And isn't that where Brandy Glanville was like telling everyone about the Denise hookup situation? I mean, that's funny to me that it was happening, I believe, at the Buca de Beppo. The Buca de Beps, you know, we need to get back in there. Why haven't they done a little thing there? Because, you know, if anything, they would have been able to film there. Because even if the restaurant was closed, uh, they should have been able to film at Buca de Beppo room uh, by Dorit. I don't know. Why can't we get them in there? We really should do the reunion there. You know, we should need to get Andy at the Good Beppo room for the reunion. Okay, so the women all gathered to talk about Bamboozle Jane, and this was right after Bamboozle Jane had posted all those screenshots of of Tommy Two-Tones, his phone, and he was sleeping with some other woman. She posted the screen grabs, and Rinna reveals that the lawyer told her to take those down. Now, I think we all remember that day, right? Like, I will never forget when those, uh, when that Instagram went up because the internet went ablaze. You know, everyone was talking about Bamboozle Jane posting those screen grabs. And there was a lot of questions because a lot of it looked like from phones from like 20 years ago. It was like 2004 phones and stuff. And so we were all kind of like wondering, like, where do these screenshots come from and are they real and everything? And the women are starting to say the same thing. They're like, well, she told us he wasn't cheating. And then now she, then she said he was cheating. And now we're finding out like specifics of the cheating, but they're thinking it maybe doesn't line up with the specifics that they already told them. And Sutton's like, I'm not fucking having it anymore. She's like, I don't even want to be uh, around her. She said, I left Lakinta thinking things amiss and I don't uh, want to be placed in a bad position. She says the stories don't add up and her alarms went off and she's right. Sutton thinks she's guilty though and doesn't want to be around her. And that's when we end. It's to be continued. Uh, to be continued. Tell the drama, no. <laughs> I'm going to tell the drama yes next weekend. Or next week, because I can't wait for next week's episode. It just keeps getting better and better. Better and better. I love it. I love the season. I love uh, next week is Christmas. We got Garcelle around the dinner table with a Christmas hat on. Santa hat. Nothing I love more than a Santa hat. Nothing. All right, The Real Houses in New York, you guys, I'm going to keep this sort of short. Now, here's the deal. I love talking about these shows. And although there are certain times these episodes, maybe they're not as great as other episodes, um, usually we have a good time talking about them. And I've always wanted this podcast to be a celebration of the things that we love. I always much rather prefer talking about the things that I like instead of the things that I don't like. And it's never really fun. I always feel a little bit gross when I come on here and I just like rip into the shows. You know, like, and I, I hate it. (laughs) Like, I don't, I feel a little bit gross when that happens and certainly happened a time or two on this program. Uh, but I'd, I'd much rather focus on the things that I love instead of the things that we don't. So I'm not going to go too deep into this week's Real Houses New York because I really found it just like cringe. And I will say I love a little cringe. While we're here, I do have to just talk about a cringe thing that I love, which is a show on HBO Max called Small Town News. Now, you have to watch. I think it's like the best show on TV right now. I'm literally obsessed. You guys know I have an obsessive personality, so when I like something, I get obsessed. And it's sort of like a Christopher Guest movie, but it's real life. It's a reality show about this small town news station in Pahrump, Nevada. And I will say around like episode four-ish, there is some politics stuff because they followed them around the time of the election, which I know sometimes that could be, you know, people don't want to see any of that stuff. I get it. But I, you know, that's a warning for you. But I still love it. I think the show, these people in this town, like I'm, I'm just so fascinated by how this small town news station is run. And I worked at a small town news station. I mean, not too small, but I worked at a Cleveland news station uh, at the end of college and, and right after college. And I loved it. And I, these, I recognize so much of that culture, news culture in this show, and the characters are wild. And uh, there's this woman, Deanna, who I think should do stand up. There's a woman, Unette, on there. You can, I'm just obsessed with that. So, I, if you like the cringe comedy, like if you like Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman, it's a very different kind of comedy. I get it. Some people like more slapsticky stuff. So, you might like not like this at all. You might say, What's this? Isn't funny. It's uncomfortable. Now, I like the uncomfortability of it. And so I, to me, it's like the best show on TV right now. Like I'm, I'm obsessed. I need everyone to watch it. Uh, there's also a show called Heels on Stars, which starts on Sunday. And I, lo- it's a wrestling show and I didn't think I would like it. And I, I got to see all the episodes in advance and I thought I was like obsessed with it. It's with Stephen Amell from Arrow, who you guys, 
To me, he's like one of, I, I don't know. There's something about that man. Obviously, he's like physically beautiful, but there's also just like, I don't know what they call it. Je ne sais quoi. Is that a phrase? <laughs> there's, there's a, there's something that with that man where I just want him to sit on my face is what I'm trying to say. I mean, he's a gorgeous human being. Um, so I, he's fun to look at. And also, I think the show is great. And I'm sorry for just now telling you that I wanted that man to sit on my face. You know, I know some people are going to complain. <laughs> I know that was maybe inappropriate of me to say. Um, but you know what? I got to live my truth. I got to live my truth. So I'm apologizing here in advance. Um, actually, it's it's not in advance. Anyway, so the point is I like a lot of cringe stuff. And uh, this episode of The Realist New York was even too cringe for my liking. Does that make sense? Like, by the end of this episode, we had it to be continued. I was like, I never want to continue this because I was so uncomfortable. Ramona was being so inappropriate. The whole thing felt just so uncomfortable to me. So I don't even really want to get into it because it's just like, it wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't fun to, it just felt so gross all around. I felt, and I didn't like the whole episode. There was like not much going on. I mean, we had Sonia on the date, which I guess it was fine. Like, I don't understand. Uh, Devin, the matchmaker, who, by the way, Devin's from the challenge, um, if anyone watches the challenge. But Devin's matchmaker, and she uh, set up Sonia with this man. I was like, why did she set him up with this man? I don't even get it. Like, there's no, it didn't make sense. Sonia didn't, she seemed to be trying to make it seem like it was good, but I don't think she really had a good time. I mean, this man didn't want to order dessert, and then they had an awkward goodbye. She's like, I hope to see you again. And he like sort of said, yeah. And I was like, I don't think you guys ever saw each other again. So that was sort of weird. Uh, we got a scene with Leah and her dog. We're getting a lot with Leah and the dog. And it just makes me miss Tinsley with her dogs. Remember the frozen dog, Angel, or what was Tinsley's dog's name? I don't remember. Remember she froze him? I mean, that was, I love, miss that. And it's making me miss Tins a lot. You know, I always miss our dear Tins and our Dale. Dale. <laughs> I miss Dale. Why couldn't we have gotten one scene with Dale? Dale's still in New York. I mean, come on, we couldn't have gotten Dale come to one of these parties or something. Give, give her a COVID test and let her go to one of these events. We got such a small cast. They didn't even invite Brashawn to the, uh, to the dinner at the end of the episode. I was like, we have such a small cast that it is. And then Leah is there on FaceTime and we couldn't even get Brashawn, who's in the cast at this dinner. Like, what the fuck was that about? And then the whole thing with why Brashawn couldn't go was because there was too many people. It was like a limit. That's what Ebony said. There was a limit to how many people. And then it was like Leah told her that she couldn't come because of COVID. So at that point, it's like we get Brashawn on the line. And if Brashawn can't make it, we get Dale on the line. We get some, we need to fill up these scenes with more people because as it is, we're going to these events and we have such a small cast. And then they're filling them with people who aren't even mic'd. Like those people at the table that were Ebony's friends seemed fun. I mean, there was a couple good close ups of those people. Like the one guy who was there, he was just chugging his drink. And I got that. I was like, you know, we all feel that way. I was chugging a wine at home because it was so stressful. But I was like, we didn't even have a mic on him. So, I don't understand the production-wise of it. And you know I love our Bravo producers, but a lot of it didn't make sense. And also, that dinner, I, I thought, if it was equal parts for Ebony and Leah, who's converting, which I think is a beautiful thing, and it was great that she did that prayer. But if it's for both of them, and Leah has to quarantine for what she said was five days, I don't understand. Maybe logistically they couldn't make it work. But I didn't understand, why didn't we postpone that? Like, why didn't we wait until Leah was available? Why didn't we just postpone it? Because having her on FaceTime was so frustrating. Like, I, I, I'm glad she wanted to be there, but I just hearing her shout through the phone was like a weird production choice. And then again, Ramona was just being awful. I don't know. And then we got all this stuff about Ebony finding the, the dad or something. I don't know. I loved her green turtleneck. I really did love that. And she looked beautiful in the green tur turtleneck. There was even a point I want to point out. This this is the last thing I'm going to say about New York. I'm sorry you guys were expecting a full recap. I can't do it. Um, but the one thing I do want to point out is there was a moment after the women, when they got to New Jersey for this dinner, they got off that bus, which I'm so sick of seeing them on those buses. Aren't you guys? And I, I logistically, I get it. We're in COVID times. They have to be on the bus. So I, I understand. But visually, I can't look at that those limo buses or those big party buses anymore. Like, I just can't. I just can't. I gotta tell the party bus no. Tell the drama no. <laughs> 
got to say no. But I can't look at it anymore. They got to put them in something else. I don't care what it is, a station wagon, uh, a Prius. I don't give a fuck what they put them in. I just can't look at that party bus anymore. But anyway, so they got to New Jersey in the party bus, and it was snowing outside. They had snow on the ground. And there was a moment where I could tell Luann, it clicked in her head like nothing's fucking happening. Because let's remember, these women have been on TV long enough that they know when nothing's happening, right? They know when they need to spice things up. They know when their jobs are in jeopardy. They get it. And so I I do believe Luann saw a moment. There was She almost had a psychic moment where she realized this show's a flop. And so she started a, a little snowball fight. She's like... But Luann is not the type to get in a snowball fight. That's why it was so awkward and uncomfortable. Never once would I think of Luann as like throwing snowballs around, you know, thrown at the, the Giovanni dresses. You know, I don't think that's Luann. Sonia, I could see maybe playfully grabbing a snowball or something. Even a Ramona, I could see. But Luann, never once in my life. But Luann had a moment that she realized this show's flopping. And I do believe they all know it's a flop. I do. And again, we give them grace because they've been going through a lot with New York was bad during COVID times. I mean, we're still in COVID times, but New York was really bad when they filmed. So it must have been hell. Must have been hell. But still yet, they've filmed enough enough of these seasons. I believe that producers know Andy knows. They're not going to tell us. Like, I mean, we have to read through the lines. You know, you can hear Andy in an interview. And I believe like you could kind of tell when everyone believes like this is a flop. (laughs) they know it they know it and i don't believe it's because of like these conversations on race or or uh, these kind of these heavier topics i don't believe that's why the show's a mess the show's a mess because we got four people and one's the one in facetime filming a scene that doesn't make any sense like that's why the show's not working and you could it's not working because it's not believable for luann to start a snowball fight i don't fucking believe any of that We've never seen her once in our lives. So I do think they all know. And they're not going to say it. Next season, we'll all hear him say, like, I, mark my words, we'll hear him talk about this season. They'll be like, yeah, last season didn't work. <laughs> but they have to wait until it airs, because otherwise everyone's going to tune out. So they got to kind of all hype it up. And then next year, every interview before next season, you know, all the cast members, Andy, the producers, whenever they give interviews next season, they're going to like, yeah, we know it didn't work. Yeah, that was a big old mess. And they'll say it. So just let's all mark our calendars. (laughs) But we love them. You know, God bless. We love all the producers. Bravo. You know, they can't win them all. It's only natural to have some flop seasons. And so here we are. And there's been good moments. I don't believe in this episode necessarily, but in general, um, we'll end on a high note and just say, uh, we thank you for all that you've given us throughout the years. And we're sorry for being critical of this season. Uh, But we love you. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. And with all of that said, you guys, I'm going to let y'all go. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to support the show, go to everythingiconic.store. Get our merch. We have t-shirts, all that good stuff. Uh, and then the Patreon page. There's a link in the episode description. So you can go there and I do recaps of Sex in the City starting from season one that are really fun. Uh, you guys, with all of that said, shall we do our cheesy little cool down? Let's all say goodbye to the drama. Tell the drama now. <laughs> Let's leave. I'm sorry for playing that a hundred times. I know you're going to hate that. I don't even think we played the Law and Order sound effect yet. There it goes. There it is. Anyway, you guys, let's take a deep breath in and hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in and hold it and breathe out. Now, as you go about your days, remember in the words of our uh, late, great Whitney Houston, one of the greatest singers of all time, maybe the greatest singer of all time, I mean that voice. Go about your days, your weeks. Listen to some Whitney, any of Whitney. Just dive into the catalog. Listen to For the Lovers and leave the stress at home and tell the drama. No. I love you all for listening. Bye-bye. Leave the stress at home. Tell the drama. No.